When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson. And I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Hello, welcome back to the show. You're listening to episode 181 of Live Free Creative Podcast, Imposter Syndrome. SOS. I can't wait to share today's episode with you. I'm going to get a little bit vulnerable and I think that that's good. It's nice to hear firsthand experience from other people going through things that are superhuman and that you might experience yourself sometimes. Before I dive into the episode, I have a couple things to share. The first is that If you like this podcast about doing creative work and living a creative, adventurous, intentional lifestyle, you would probably love a new podcast that I started listening to called Create Out Loud, hosted by bestselling author and writing coach Jen Loudon. Jen's podcast is so great because she interviews a wide variety of creatives about how they create, how they deal with the ups and downs of a creative life, their fears, and how they make a living doing creative work. She recorded a recent episode with the beloved author Sue Monk Kidd, I'm sure you all love her as much as I do, who wrote classics like The Secret Life of Bees and the Oprah Book Club pick The Invention of Wings. Oh, so good. I loved the depth of their conversation and how honest Sue was, especially when she talked about dealing with her sudden success. And there's this one moment when Sue says to Jen, I can't believe I'm telling you this, that made me laugh out loud. Those are the best moments on podcasts. There's this other moment of conversation that I want to share with you that I think is so important about how to know when your work is serving your soul. Listen in. How do you know when you're writing that you're serving your soul? I don't always. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fair enough. I mean, you know, it's a constant thing that we have to decide, are we serving our ego or are we serving our soul? Are we serving our work? Are we serving something larger than ourselves? These are questions that writers need to have somewhere in their heads as we're working, Mm. or at least on the peripheries or to ask them from time to time. So good. I love the idea of that question. And of course, Sue's incredible answer. I really appreciate the diversity of Jen's guests on her show, Create Out Loud. There's app 
creators and singer-songwriters, and Jen told me that her goal with Create Out Loud is that every episode gives the listener at least one actionable idea to use. So if you are looking for another great podcast to listen to that will give you some practical creative inspiration, you can listen to Create Out Loud wherever you listen to podcasts or visit jenniferloudon.com and I will link that in the show notes. Today's podcast segment is going to be Peaks of the Week and I'm sharing three great books that I've read recently. I thought it would be fun to share a nonfiction, a fiction, and a children's book that I've been absolutely loving lately. So number one is from Queen Goddess Brene Brown. Her latest, if you haven't yet indulged yourself, is so good. It's called Atlas of the Heart. We're reading it this month and next month in the Podcast Plus Self-Development Book Club, which quick shout out for that. You can join at patreon.com slash livefreecreative, and we meet online once a month to discuss a self-development book. These are life-changing books and life-changing discussions. It's an incredible community, and I'd love to have you part of it. Atlas of the Heart is an interesting book for Brene because it's, of course, research-based like all of her books. It's so topical. The idea is that she's going to give us an overview of different emotions that her research has indicated are really relevant to everyday human experience and help us understand them better, what the definition is, what the nuances are. I have been surprised how much I've learned being really interested in emotion generally. And I read a lot about emotion and I study about emotion and I talk about emotion and I'm as you'll hear in this episode, hoping to study more about emotion, I have been surprised by the intricacies of the definitions and of the stories and the relatability and also the cautionary instances that Brene shares in Atlas of the Heart. I'm listening to it. I also have it hard copy. The benefit of listening is that Brene herself reads it. So you get all of the inflection and the personal stories and there's quite a few times where she goes off script and says this is not in the book but let me tell you a story so that's been really fun I also think it's super valuable to have as a hard copy because this is one that you'll want to refer back to it almost reads as an encyclopedia of emotion which is really interesting so my first peak of the week is Atlas of the Heart my second peak of the week is a book that I read last month that had come highly recommended to me because of my interest in natural indigo dyeing. I've taught indigo dyeing workshops for the last six years. I have an online indigo dyeing workshop. I'm super interested in it as a dye. It's its own class. It has such rich historical and cultural implications. And this story is a historical fiction based on the true life and events of a young girl named Eliza Lucas who lived in rural South Carolina in the early 1700s. This is her story of the her, her dream of having a thriving indigo crop as a farmer that would compete with European indigo and the roller coaster and ebbs and flows and twists and turns of events that surround this idea. I found it fascinating historically. I thought it was really well written really interesting character and it's like a a superpower feminist book this young girl who takes so much responsibility and so much dream capturing into her own hands 
I really liked it. So if you're looking for a fun novel that is based on historical events and also, you know, has a lot of fiction woven into it, it's a really great story. The third peak of the week book that I want to share this week is something that we discovered in a Paris bookshop called Shakespeare and Company. When I was in Paris with my kids and my family at Christmas time, we spent an afternoon exploring the bookshelves at Shakespeare and Company, which is, I believe, the first English bookshop in Paris. It's been around for a very long time. It has so much, you know, charm and historical significance. I told each of my kids to pick out a book that could be their souvenir, and they could also use it to read as we traveled and spent time, you know, heading home. Plum found a little book called Armadillo, Hare, and the Very Noisy Bear by Jeremy Strong. He's a British author, and it's created through a British publishing house. I'd never heard of these characters, never heard of this author. It just looked cute, and I love Armadillo, so we got it, and we've been reading it out loud. It's an easy reader, a simple chapter book. She could read it to herself at eight years old, and we like reading things together. It has made us laugh out loud several times. They're really lovable, quirky characters, and there's something really inherently British about it as well. The the characters and their temperaments and the way that they interact is delightful. It's part of a series of three, and we're going to go on and acquire the other two books so that we can continue the adventures with the armadillo the hare and the very noisy bear i'll link all three of these books in the show notes at liveprecreative.co slash podcast so you can check them out look for episode 181 those are my peaks of the week i want to tell you a story about my personal experience over the last couple months with feeling like an imposter in my endeavors. This is an unusual feeling for me. And you probably can tell if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time that I feel pretty generally confident about trying things that I've never done before and giving it a go, not seeing failure as any sort of personal implication, rather just a part of life and opportunities for growth. Yet an experience that I've had over the last few months has awakened these hidden feelings of who am I that I didn't really know were there. It's made me really curious and I've been interested in investigating what's going on, trying to sift out truth from falsehood, and ultimately I'm working on creating space for the discomfort of these emotions while acknowledging that they might not be completely true and building the awareness and confidence that can come through challenging some of those doubts, even if I allow the emotion. So let me back up and tell you, back in October, I hosted a fall creative camp. This is my biannual deep work weekend. It's an incredible opportunity to come together with some other creative women and dive in, have some focused work time while we take care of all of your other, I like to say we take care of you mind, body, and spirit so you can take care of your most important work. The work that I was doing during that camp, I was hosting camp and I was also taking advantage of the deep 
work sessions to work on my graduate school essay. If you are new here, you don't know that I have applied for a Master's of Applied Positive Psychology program through the University of Pennsylvania. My application is complete now, it's in, and I'll talk more about that. This goes back to when I was working on my essay. The essay questions were really simple. They were, what is your familiarity with the field of positive psychology? How will this degree and this study impact your career? How will you use this degree to better the field of positive psychology and its goals? Super basic. There wasn't anything really intense about that. So I had gone about answering those questions. And during my own hot seat, my own peer review at the creative camp, I started to read my essay and was immediately met with some constructive criticism that I was treading lightly around the ideas of the impact of my career and how I could use this further study to create good impact and positive change in my own community and also how that would go on to better the field of positive psychology as a whole. I had been really, apparently, really timid in that and I didn't see that at first and so it was an interesting dynamic to have these incredible women who I admire and was so happy to be in community with sharing their thoughts about the things that I do as a business owner and the positive impact of those things. At the same time, my mind is saying, I don't know if I could say that, or I think that might be an exaggeration, or do they even care about that? Like, does that even matter? As we were discussing this as a group, something that came up that I hadn't realized was that Although I have run a business for many years, I mean, it's had lots of different iterations over time, but I first started running a business in about 2008, concurrently while I was working as a nurse. And in 2014, it became my, my sole business, my sole career. My blog, this podcast, my book, my course offerings, the retreats and events that I've held over time, I have you know, anywhere, depending on how you're quantifying, anywhere between eight and 12 years of entrepreneurial experience and business experience. And I was having a really hard time accepting that this was a career. I said, no, I, I run a business. It's a small women-owned business. It's I'm a solopreneur. I don't have a team. I'm not endeavoring to grow this business into like this, you know, like a million dollar massive whatever. I... I was playing small with my words and with my thoughts. The term career was a little bit triggering in an interesting way that I I sort of rejected that idea of having a creative career even though I run a creative business. Now, this might not be something that you experience specifically. Maybe you don't have a creative career. Maybe you do have a professional career. Maybe you don't and you don't want one. I'm sure that all of us, though, have at one point or another bumped up against something that resoundingly and overwhelmingly others see in us that we are have a really hard time seeing in ourselves, that we're really unable to see clearly in ourselves positives, benefits, strengths, and values that we either downplay or have a hard time recognizing. This was new for me. I don't remember another time where I've felt so specifically able to recognize, wow, I don't see that in myself. And this whole room full of women sees it in me. 
I am going to spend a little bit of time working through what this means and what that looks like. Fast forward a couple months, I worked on my essay. I did a lot of mindset work around the idea of the impact that my business has. I dug through testimonials. I looked through all of the ratings and reviews on this podcast and the reviews that I've had on my book, the reviews that I get in surveys after people take my courses and come to my retreats, and was able to find a place in there where I really acknowledge and accept and claim and own the positive impact that the work that I have been doing, this career that I'm creating in real time, is having on my community. My essay went back and forth to several friends and editors, and I sent it off. I submitted my application. I mentioned a couple weeks ago how I submitted my application and got an immediate reply that I was missing my transcript, so I had to send in a, a separate transcript. I had already submitted one, but I had two. I had to submit the other one. Kind of laughed at the terrible grades that I got one of my early semesters in college. It all rounded out in the end. And then I took a deep sigh of relief, thinking I will just, like I've done everything that I can do, now I just wait and find out whether or not I've been accepted. They told us that we would find out about acceptance in June. The application was due the 1st of March. So I'm thinking, I'm just gonna put it in the back of my mind, go about my business and my life, and I'll wait to hear, I don't need to like think about it all the time. And then exactly one week after I submitted my application, I got an email that invited me to have an interview for the program. My application had made it through the first round of the admissions process, and now I was invited to claim a time to have an interview with some of the program alumni. I had no idea that an interview was part of the process. Those of you who are in academia may you know, kind of laugh and say, of course it is. Grad school always has an interview. I didn't know that. <laughs> and it doesn't say it anywhere on the website. So I was just sort of sitting back waiting to hear whether or not I got in. And here I was invited for this interview. I was simultaneously elated and terrified. I like the idea of having an interview. I like obviously like talking. I feel like I'm pretty good in person. And I also had this little twinge of if they interview me and then don't accept me, it feels a little bit more personal. <laughs> Regardless, I chose a time. I did a little bit of background research on the women who would be interviewing me. I read through my essay. I got familiar and comfortable with my ideas, what I wanted to share, having no idea what the questions might be, and then I showed up for the interview. It was only 30 minutes long. The first 20 minutes were questions asked of me, getting to know me, getting to know what I do, how I plan to use the degree. There were five minutes of information about the program that they wanted to be really clear was understood, expectations. And then the last five minutes, I was able to ask questions of the interviewer. Everything went really well. It was fun to talk about my interest in positive psychology, about the work that I'm doing currently that incorporates the research in the field of well-being and how people can live a more meaningful, flourishing life how I hope to use this added depth and breadth and understanding so the work that I continue to do in the future in course creation and in books I want to write and here on the podcast can be even more effective. As we wrapped up the interview and hung up the phone, I immediately started spinning about a couple of the answers that I had given that I was sort of laughing about at the same time I was second guessing. 
The funniest one, I still think it's funny, even though the day after I kind of was having an intense imposter syndrome episode about this, but I'm feeling a little better now, which is why I can can talk about it a little more coherently. One of the interviewers asked the question, this is a simple question, about what I bring as an individual to the cohort. She said, you know, in a program like this, you learn as much from the other students as you do from the professors. It's a really connective program and you share experiences and ideas. What will you bring to the cohort? And I had all of these things kind of buzz through my head at once. And then what came out of my mouth was, I don't have any experience in corporate America. I don't have leadership positions that would be recognized on paper. I haven't won any awards or accolades. I'm a solopreneur working in my small business, hoping to reach and touch and impact a community of women who are hoping to better their lives. So I guess what I bring to the cohort is that I'm relatable. I'm a regular person just trying to, you know, make a difference in my small way. I've repeated this answer. I mean, that's not verbatim, of course. I've repeated this answer to my husband who said, it was a great answer. And to friends who said, I think that's a great answer. And I've had, you know, several people, a handful of people who I love and trust revalidate to me that there's nothing wrong with that. Yet in the moments right after the interview, and I thought about it all night and I woke up the next day and came up with like a dozen different things that I might've said that felt more important or that felt more impactful or that felt more interesting or that would set me apart in a different way and of course I can't change any of that and I again I'm, I'm laughing about it now because I can see now how that's a fine answer and it was honest and came from my heart and it also subtly expresses the imposter syndrome that I had been feeling ever since I started writing my essay this idea that I haven't done anything that matters enough to validate my acceptance into this program. This is such an interesting idea. This is really sort of the the classic definition of imposter syndrome. Believing that you are not as important or competent as other people can see that you are. Believing that you are going to be found out, that you don't belong in a given space, that your achievements or even your intelligence or skill set are a mismatch for what you're striving to accomplish or the community that you're striving to belong to. The words imposter syndrome and the idea of this syndrome itself emerged in research in the 1970s and has been mostly attributed to high-achieving women. Although a study done in 2019 shows that up to 82% of people have had experiences that could be qualified as imposter syndrome based on some of the, the qualities. It can affect anyone, this idea that I don't belong or I'm not good enough. Imposter syndrome usually represents a mismatch between your own self-identification and the perception of others. While other people may praise the work you're doing or tell you that you're doing great or invite you to participate in 
groups or organizations or even in specific roles within like a work environment that you don't feel fit for despite others recognizing your fitness for them. Imposter syndrome is talked about widely in the creative community as well as people are getting started in creative endeavors, learning new things, and feeling unable to call themselves a creative, unable to say I'm a writer even though they're writing, unable to say I'm a painter even though they're painting. I love a quote from James Clear that says, identity is literally your repeated beingness. And he goes on to say that as you are writing, you are a writer. As you're painting, you're a painter. As you go on a walk, you're a walker. Sometimes imposter syndrome tells us that we have to hit a certain mark or have a certain amount of suffering or reach some level of leadership or climb the ladder to a certain point in order to earn the identity that we're having a hard time accepting, even when it's widely recognized by others. It was interesting in diving into some research to share this episode to find out that there are a couple different scenarios in which imposter syndrome tend to show up more than others. One is in general family dynamics, your parenting and childhood environment. If you were really pressured to do well in school or compared to your siblings, if your family emphasized natural intelligence over learning and kind of that fixed mindset, that can be a potential underlying cause of some of the feelings of imposter syndrome. Second, some general personality traits. People who tend to be more perfectionistic tend to have higher feelings of imposter syndrome. Also, if you're a little bit more neurotic, if you like rate highly on a neuroticism scale, you tend to be more likely to feel like an imposter in certain situations. Of course, other mental health symptoms as well. Um, depression or anxiety, just general mindset of feeling less than can reinforce this idea that you don't really belong in your environment. And then fourth, new responsibilities or opportunities. This is the one where I think my bout with imposter syndrome has flourished because I'm trying something new. A new role of applying for a graduate program that's difficult to get into at a great university where I'm not sure what all of the other applicants look like, but from you know the reading and research that I've done, they're all really highly qualified. And so it results in an opportunity to create this unhealthy direct comparison with perceived applicants that is all false. I was kind of laughing thinking about this as I was telling Dave about my interview, which overwhelmingly was positive. There was nothing looking back on it now with a more clear perspective that went wrong. And yet I was talking to him and saying, what about all of the other people who are applying and who have these really dynamic, impressive answers? <laughs> which at the end of the day is actually fantastic because above anything, I was honest and being relatable is not a terrible thing to be. When I step back with a lens of perspective, I can recognize A, that I really believe that the universe conspires in my favor. And if I am right for the program at this time, that's out of my hands and also will happen as it is supposed to. 
I love the idea that things are always working out for my benefit. It's up to me to find the reasons why. And I don't know yet. Maybe I will get in. Maybe I won't. Either way, I'm going to do great things in my life. I also plan to reapply if I'm not accepted this time around, which, you know, we can try again. There's always a second chance. It has also been really interesting to have some of these feelings come up for me when it's fairly unusual. I generally have felt like I'm not much of a perfectionist, and I really try to focus on feelings of inherent worth, and I share those with you in this show. You deserve space and time and care and I get enough sleep and I do my meditation practice and I exercise and I I really believe that the work that I'm doing is worthwhile even though it can be hard to quantify. If you have ever felt like an imposter, whether you're starting something new or you have a generalized feeling of people are going to find me out, these things that I'm doing, I don't really truly deserve. I need to work harder. I need to do more. I need to strive more. I am falling short and no one's noticing. I want to offer four ideas for how to help assimilate and work through when you have these feelings of imposter syndrome creep up. These come from Susan Albers Bowling, who is a psychologist at the Cleveland Clinic. So the first one is to separate feelings from facts. So it's okay to have the feelings, to observe them, to be mindful of them, and then be ready with a response. Separate the thought that you have from the idea of its truthfulness. If your mind says, I don't know what I'm talking about, remind yourself of the times that you have known or of the knowledge that you do have. Not only that you have now, but that you are capable of continued learning, growth, and progress. The second is to take note of your accomplishments. She says it can be helpful to have a tangible reminder of your successes. I think this is so important. If someone sends you an email and tells you you did a great job, or in your daily life, if someone gives you a thank you card or sends you a text that says, you're doing a great job, I love you, having some of those things on hand, like saved in a file or somewhere where you can just buoy yourself up with the understanding and recognition of your accomplishments can be really helpful. I noticed in my own process these last few months that I automatically was like, okay, what am I doing that makes an impact? And turning to the reviews of this show were, was so impactful, recognizing that like that if there's some small thing that touches someone's life and makes a difference and I can see that, it's outside of me, that acknowledgement of meaning. If you don't have a lot of that happening, you're, you can't think of where that's coming from. Even something like a child making you a card that says, I love you. Hang it on your fridge where you can see it or tuck it into a drawer where you can pull it out when things don't feel like they're going right to remind you that you are doing a good job, that you're doing important work, even if it's just at home. The third one is to talk to other people about it. I was able to talk about this with my husband, with some friends. Sometimes just getting the words out there and like identifying them makes such a difference. In that mastermind group at my creative retreat, I, as I was talking through the way I had answered the questions in the essay and kind of trying to meet some of the questions and challenges coming at me from the group, I was able for the first time to identify that I 
had a discomfort with the idea of having a career because I downplay the things that I've done in my business. It doesn't feel like career. It feels like like running a small business. And being able to recognize that in talking through it and then start to assimilate my understanding of what a career is and what that looks like and redefining it for myself so that I could claim it in a way that's meaningful for me was really helpful. And the fourth one is to stop comparing. So much of imposter syndrome comes from when we, what we think other people who are in this same situation have that we don't. Comparing our lives to other people's lives on social media, comparison often ends up in instead of us finding acknowledgement and validation for feeling great, we often end up finding all of the reasons that we don't measure up. So stop comparing your life to others. I know the example I shared today was really specific and personal to me. And hopefully in listening to my real experience, you've been able to identify areas of your life or situations in your past or current circumstances where you feel this little tug of maybe I'm not doing enough or maybe I don't fit in or maybe I don't measure up. And I want you to take a look at that and to understand that it's okay to have a space between who you are now and where you want to be in the future, that we all have room to grow and progress. We can learn more, we can develop more skill, we can check boxes if we need to. And a lot of times that feeling of not enoughness isn't true and real. It's a perception and we can shift our perspective in order to acknowledge the inherent worthiness that we all have. I hope this episode has been interesting and impactful for you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I want to invite you to leave a rating or a review. I talked about how meaningful those were in these last few months to me personally, and I also love the way that they are able to show other people how Live Free Creative Podcast can make an impact on their life. So if you have been loving the show or you've listened to an episode that resonated with you, please take a couple minutes and leave that written review on iTunes. It makes a huge impact both for me and for others looking for podcasts to enjoy. If you know someone who has been struggling with imposter syndrome or who you feel like could benefit from listening to this show and the experience that I shared, I would love for you to just text it to them, email it to them, take a screenshot and and send it to them on social media. I appreciate this show going to the people who need it most. And I want to thank you again for listening in. I will catch up with you again next week. Same time, same place. Have a great one. Bye-bye. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.